0: Hey, it's Alan, and I just wanted to let you know that you can now listen to the ongoing history of new music early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Hey, I'm Tamara Kendacker, the host of Global News' daily podcast, Wait, There's More, and I want to let you know a bit about our new show. The world moves fast, and keeping up can be pretty overwhelming. On Wait, There's More, we go beyond the headlines to reveal the bigger story, explore new angles, ask tough questions, and talk to the people directly affected by the news. Here's a taste of one of our episodes. And while you're listening, subscribe to Wait There's More for free wherever you're enjoying this podcast, and you'll get a new episode every weekday just in time for your commute home.
1: I went out about uh, midnight, um, spent about three hours there, just walking around. And there's also, like, old lady holding an English flat, sitting in front of the main gate, um, trying to, um, I don't know... Tell the government that, like, they're just being absurd, like, not
0: listening to people. This is Grace Chung. She's one of about a reported one million people in Hong Kong who took to the streets over the weekend to protest an extradition bill. The bill would allow Hong Kong citizens to be extradited to mainland China.
1: Chaos erupting onto the streets of Hong Kong. The peaceful protests turning violent police firing tear gas and rubber bullets during a rally outside the city's parliament. This act is actually showing that they, they did not think, they don't care about our voices. If passed, Hong Kong's controversial extradition bill would allow people in Hong Kong to be extradited to mainland China to face
0: trial. The protest started on Sunday. And tens of thousands of people blockaded the streets around the government headquarters trying to stop lawmakers from debating the bill. Police also showed up in riot gear. And when protesters tried to storm key government buildings, police responded by firing tear gas and rubber bullets. For a city that's used to mass protests, it was some of the worst violence it's seen in decades. The Hong Kong Legislative Council hasn't backed down. But they've delayed a second reading of the bill, and at this point, it's unclear when that's going to take place. Today on the show, we're taking a look at what's happening on the ground, how we got here, and why protest is part of Hong Kong's DNA. From Global News, I'm Tamara Kandacker, and you're listening to Wait, There's More.
2: It started quite early in the morning. Um, And people were congregated around um, LegCo, so that's the uh, Legislative Council, the building there.
0: This is Crystal Young. She's a Canadian living in Hong Kong, and she's a trainee lawyer practicing human rights law. And so huge masses of people, um, mainly young people, dressed
2: in black with umbrellas, that's sort of... Um, I guess, since in the Occupy movement, it's the symbols of liberation and freedom and, you know, civil liberties. And then, you know, it started getting a little bit violent as in people were throwing barriers, ripping street signs out of, you know, out of the ground. Um, and that's when um, the police and the riot police came in. But still, you know, it was relatively stable for, you know, greater part of the early morning until... I think some of the protesters became a little bit more violent and then the police responded very disproportionately. I mean, they were shooting, they use what, you know, people call non-lethal weapons, but I think the correct term is less lethal, right? Because, you know, tear cast canister blasted your face at close range. that could kill someone, um, rubber bullets can kill someone. And a lot of people ended up in the hospital. Um, and so, That escalated throughout the day and well into the night until about
0: 11 p.m. That's when Crystal says police really cracked down.
2: So many people, myself included, have so much footage of just very aggressive encounters with the police. um, Beating people with, you know, their batons, um, firing tear gas, like very close range rubber bullets. The works. But hey, it was effective, right? They cleared the streets and it's miraculous this morning. um, I mean, if you looked at what the scene looked like last night from the photos, like it was carnage. Um, This morning, it's business as usual, you know, everyone's back at work. The streets are clean. Um, Mm -hmm. You almost wonder, you know, did
0: anything happen?
2: I think, you know, this is sort of a lull in the storm.
0: Crystal explained to me why this law is so important and why it's driving so many people out into the streets. In 1997, when the British gave Hong Kong back to China, a lot of people were afraid they'd lose the freedoms they'd had under British rule. When the handover happened, China agreed to one country, two systems, which meant Hong Kong would have political and legal autonomy from China, except for certain issues like national security, all the way until 2047.
2: The problem with the extradition bill is that it effectively allows China to extend its jurisdiction into Hong Kong. And so that's completely contrary to the spirit of one country, two systems. Um, And I think a lot of people are concerned, very rightfully so, that this is sort of the beginning of the, not even the beginning, right? It's it's a big step towards the erosion and disintegration of the rule of law in Hong Kong. And that's what guarantees Hong Kong people the rights and freedoms that you would not have in China.
0: I also talked to a woman named Grace Young,
1: She's a vet in Hong Kong, and
0: she's been in the streets protesting the bill.
1: To be honest, with one million on the street, the only thing we ask for is to retract the extradition bill. That's the only thing that we ask the government like for. Just mm-hmm. please, please just retract this, because this is going to affect both financially as well as the stability in Hong Kong. It's mm-hmm. not just about like... Um, this moment is about future. It's about our next generation. It's about kids that not trusting communism, not trusting that PRC would be able to judge like um, a case fairly compared to Hong Kong.
0: Grace explains to me that this, in her mind, is about more than just extradition. She thinks the impact is way more far-reaching. She's echoing the concerns of other protesters. She says, the people who come to invest in Hong Kong do so believing that the city has judicial independence. That is to say, if anything goes wrong, they'll have human rights, and they wouldn't be extradited to China where that isn't a guarantee. Once you get, like,
1: sent to China, there's no way that you, you can guarantee you, you can find a lawyer to defend you. Mm-hmm. A lot of the human rights, like, lawyers in China, they got locked up, okay? They got persecuted. So why... Why would anyone think that they could have a fair, fair trial in China? It is just, you know, that kind of fear, just making everyone really uncomfortable. She thinks this would be devastating for
0: Hong Kong economically, and she paints a pretty bleak picture. People spiraling into depression and creatives migrating out. She's angry and terrified. And she says everyone else who's protesting feels the same way, like the government isn't listening to them.
1: Everyone's so emotional, like even like, at my age. A lot of my friends already have kids, and then they were like, I feel really useless because I stay home and watch every other kid's um, battling at the front. Basically, China can, can arrest anyone, like, Yeah, you're a threat to, to them, right? Even Ai Weiwei, the, the artist in China, right? They yeah. did nothing wrong. They could c- catch anyone that they want. You're not scared of that, like you're you're talking to me. I am not because to me, I went to the protest the night. Everyone asked me, Grace, don't go. Why Why are you going? They're going to be valid. No. Why Why would everyone assume everything so negatively? If I am going to die there, I'm okay. Like I tell everyone, if it's war out there for Hong Kong, mm-hmm. and I I like those kids need help. I don't mind going. If I get shot, I get shot, right? They need people. Why am I, like, getting, like, so, like, coward, staying at home, if I know this is the correct thing to do?
0: So we've heard a bit about what things have been like on the ground, but I want to go back in time a bit. The relationship and history between Hong Kong and China is complicated, but pretty crucial to understanding how we got here and why so many people are so emotionally invested in preventing this extradition law from happening. I'm talking to Vincent Nhi, a BBC journalist who covers China a lot. When the handover happened from the British to China in 1997, people living in Hong Kong were scared of what being ruled by China would look like. So I asked Vincent what China's relationship with Hong Kong has actually been like since then.
3: Well, to be fair to Beijing, um, China had been... Trying very hard not to intervene, um, not to uh, publicly comment on affairs in Hong Kong because of this promise of one China, uh, one country, two systems. But because of the existing fear that had always been there, and also the following legislations uh, attempted to be introduced into Hong Kong. For example, in 2003, um, more than half a million Hong Kong citizens uh, marched on the streets of the city demanding the withdrawal of article 23 which is essentially a national security bill and the government at the time the chief executive office was trying to introduce this bill to hong kong and a lot of hong kong residents fear that because of this you know national security bill they will be governed essentially by uh, beijing and that was uh, in their words a uh, you know breaking of the one child uh, one country two systems uh, promise mm-hmm. so they marched onto the streets and essentially eventually the government felt the pressure and then they backed down and then in 2004 there was another massive protests um onto the streets. And then the government also felt that, um, you know, they had to respond to citizens' demands, etc. In 2005, the first ever chief executive of Hong Kong resigned, uh, citing health reasons. But of course, a lot of reports were suggesting that, you know, he resigned because he wasn't able to properly uh, balance the interests of Hong Kong citizens, as well as Beijing's interests.
0: And Hong Kong has basically become known for this culture of protest, right?
3: Yes. And that's actually been there for a long time, even before Hong Kong was handed over back to uh, China. You know, Hong Hong Kongers, you know, they say, you know, protesting is part of their DNA. Mm -hmm. And I think mainland authorities need to understand this is, you know, part of being Hong Kong citizens, part of being Hong Kong residents.
0: And is there a reason for that?
3: well i you know suppose under british rule um you know they you know the, the, the media they consumed the kind of values um they learned you know um, under the british uh, governance um they thought that um you know, protesting—you know—freedom of assembly is part of their daily life, and it's just absolutely normal. I mean, I don't think it—it it, it suggests that Hong Kongers are any different from anywhere else in the world. Mm-hmm. It's just the kind of—you know—belief they have that freedom of assembly, freedom of press is an integral part of Hong Kong life.
0: So it seems like a lot of young people are taking up this cause. Is that—is that an accurate assessment?
3: It is. From what we see on the streets of Hong Kong, a lot of young people went out. Um, and in fact, yesterday, a lot of the school children uh, went out on strikes as well. Mm-hmm. So it, it really does seem uh, to me that this wave of protests was quite similar to what happened five years ago, uh, w- what we call an un- uh, umbrella uh, movement or Occupy Central movement.
0: In Hong Kong, thousands of student demonstrators have been filling the streets. Most recently, they targeted the main highways. Police responded by spraying them with tear gas. Dozens were arrested. The movement to bring attention to Hong Kong's democracy struggle is now known as Occupy Central
3: and after 79 days it basically concluded and what happened afterwards was that student leaders went on went on to trials um, and some political parties being uh, shut um, being suspended and um the fear accumulated over the past five years is that you know Beijing is you know exerting more and more influence into Hong Kong, and I think that was also part of the reason why people went onto streets this time around.
0: And do you think that there is any validity to that fear?
3: Anecdotally, um, a lot of uh, people living in Hong Kong would tell uh, journalists that um, you know. Uh, there is increasingly more and more media censorship and they also blame uh, censorship uh, to mainland Chinese money. And they think, you know, because mainland tycoons are taking over Hong Kong media scene, um, there will be less and the less um, you know, criticisms um, being offered to uh, mainland China. Um, so anecdotally, we hear a lot of cases that Beijing was trying to exert influence. And of course, these things work in a very, very subtle way. And it's always very difficult to quantify or to define what this kind of influence really is.
0: I have so many more questions for Vincent, but I want to end on Crystal who points out that despite everything that's going on, Hong Kong is still a place where human rights and freedoms exist what's happening now, it's so important because people are fighting to protect and defend it. You know, everything
2: that's happening in Hong Kong um, makes it look like, you know, there's already an absence of the rule of law here. But in fact, the fact that this is such a big deal means that, you know, the rule of law still exists and people are really fighting to defend it. And I think that's something that's really important for people to understand.
0: Hours after Canada's foreign minister, Chrystia Freeland, put out a statement reiterating concerns about the planned extradition law, China responded. They warned Canada not to intervene in the normal legislation process and called the comments irresponsible and erroneous. You can read our ongoing coverage of the protests at globalnews.ca. Thanks for listening to the sneak peek of an episode of Wait, There's More. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe for free now at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.